What is PTSD? And why have I been so reserved about this message? Christina here with Nina's Journey. Each week, we're going to hang out and walk through a topic that's going to light our soul on fire. Together, we're going to unpack past experiences, talk through feelings, and so much more. Together on this podcast, we will learn to love, live, and grow. Because I believe when we learn to love openly, we will begin to live with vulnerability. And ultimately, that is when we grow. Hi, friends. How have you been? It's, it's been months, six months. What and where have I been is the real question here. So I started season three in January. It was the season to be free. That's what I called it. Well, I'm not free. And I feel like I need to be really honest with you guys. I've talked about this before. I have PTSD. I've been in treatment for it. I've learned about it. I'm living with it, coping with it, growing with it. So what's the hesitation, right? Like, what am I holding back? Well, I've done a lot of growth in this space, mental health space. I've worked on myself. I've looked at myself. I've ripped the layers back. I've been raw. I've been vulnerable with myself. I've grown with myself. I have taken an inventory of myself. And I've shared my journey with you guys. The the whole reason about Nina's journey, I'm I'm, I'm sure I've I've spoke about this before, but the real reason of Nina's journey and, and what this is all about is it's me sharing my journey, yes, But it isn't a platform because I want to solely talk about myself. I mean, this isn't some sort of like put me on a pedestal or anything like that. It really is a platform of education. It's this vulnerability of if I share my journey, will others share theirs? If I embrace my journey, will others embrace theirs? Nina's journey wasn't created just for me to talk about who I am, what I'm about, and and all that jazz. It, it really was much larger than myself. It is much larger than myself. And I'm, I'm back to, you know, kind of embracing those around me and talking about my journey. And though I haven't necessarily talked about it on the podcast or shared that, I mean, I even took a sabbatical from social media. If you follow me on social media, I actually walked away from all social media from like April 18th to just recently. I started putting content out there um, more. So I have this energy and this drive to grow, but there's something that I've been keeping close to my heart, and and rightfully so. However, I truly want to be vulnerable and real and honest with all of you. And so there's a, a piece of my PTSD or a piece of my experience that I haven't shared. I had this long-standing hope that I would get through this part of my story and my journey and then I could like reflectively share that back to you and give you all of the hope in the world and look at these are the pieces and the tools that we put in place and this is how we got better. I don't know when that will be and I still hope that it is. Though what I need to talk about is that one of the largest contributors 
of my triggers and my PTSD is my marriage and this core wound of abandonment. And though I'm not getting on here to berate or talk down about my marriage or my husband, I'm here to express my experience. And things really haven't been going well for a couple of years. I sometimes feel not authentic when I talk about um, the love of my life, this phase, you know, marriage three, this this bliss. And while I am incredibly grateful for my husband, I really am, and he is a very good human being. We both stepped into this relationship as unhealthy individuals, and I have learned that one of my largest wounds, one of my biggest biggest contributors to my condition is abandonment. And my husband didn't grow up in a home that was full of emotional safety. And that has brought us to this place. So I will talk a little bit about how this has unfolded in the recent events. As mentioned, things haven't been going well for a couple of years. And really where the heart of this gets intense and overwhelming is... You know, in, in April of 2021, I went into therapy, and I'll talk more about this a little bit later. But what I really learned was about PTSD, myself, how to live with it, how to cope with it, how to become more verbal about it and express myself to my partner and communicate my needs and these emotional needs. And it's created what feels like even more contention where we both danced around avoidance. We both had emotional and core wounds and triggers, though we didn't, neither one of us have been verbal about that. And becoming more verbal about mine and understanding of myself and and being more aware of my own behaviors and my own contributions to what's going on. With that self-awareness and working on myself, I have been able to separate myself from the relationship and see what is mine to own and what is his to own. I lived more in an enmeshment type format with my husband where I took on the responsibility of the relationship in its entirety and I struggled with feeling like I wasn't good enough, um, just really trying to earn love and create a space for vulnerability and I am now separating that a little bit which feels like it's it's brought this even more intense space between us so I had stepped out of therapy in December and I and you know I had great skills I do I have great skills not had nothing about this is past this is a continuum of growth and I'm incredibly proud of it So I have these great skills. I have this understanding of what's going on. I am aware of my symptoms. I can communicate my symptoms. I'm getting better at external boundaries. An area of growth that I'm working on really are my internal boundaries, which is what brings me here. You know, I stepped out of therapy in December, and there was still this sense of feeling like something was lost from January to March. And I was just like, what? what is it? Like, what's going on? Like, why am I still in this cycle of suffrage? I know what it is. I know what I'm doing. I know how to manage it. But I'm still not necessarily thriving. And it came down to my experience with my marriage and what's contributing to my symptoms. And I uh, found 
Codependence Anonymous in April, which is something that I will talk about later, but um, I've learned about codependency and what it really is. I didn't have a handle on it. And though I want to go deeper into this in a, in a later episode, codependency is a byproduct of trauma. And so I had to re kind of acclimate to something that I wasn't fully aware of and I can see it and I own it. And I was trying to communicate that to my husband as well. And so this is really coming back to a relational trigger and I'm back in therapy. In August, I started going back to therapy with some very specific goals about how to cope in my marriage and And what I was doing was I went in and talked to my therapist about how can I cope and keep this marriage together by setting myself aside? Like, how do I fully cope with myself? How do I be with a partner who cannot consistently be there for me and create emotional safety and and keep my symptoms in check? And while the past four weeks I've really thought about this, I am again trying to figure out how to keep this together, not talk about it, and solely own it. And that really, really is not a healthy approach to this. So I am here being really raw about this. And I want to talk about PTSD, the confessions of PTSD, and and that I'm just going to take some space from this. I can't hide this anymore. I can't make excuses for it anymore. And I can't pretend. I personally got caught up in the fantasy of what we could be in not living with the reality of what we are. I took on a large amount of responsibility about this marriage and this relationship, and I've taken on more than what's mine to own. And while I will speak about my contributions, my experiences, and how I've I've dealt with that or continuing to look at that, I need to hold myself accountable here and just take some space from this. And so I want to be very clear. He hasn't ever physically hurt me. He is a safe human. He's a good human. He has a good heart. He is incredibly smart, whether he realizes it or not. He has gifts, but he is hurting from his own background, and he is not facing that. I have observed and seen and experienced a lot of of what's going on with him. And in my own learnings, my own therapy, I am seeing that we actually are coming from a very similar space. So my heart goes out to him and I'm incredibly hopeful. He is not intentionally trying to create an unsafe space emotionally. Our symptoms manifest a bit different. He is heavily avoidant. He copes with humor and he's living in a state of denial. His symptoms are much more different than mine where he, um, to protect himself, he has more of this fight trauma response, and mine is more of a, a freeze or flight, and I go really heavy into fawning, which I'll talk about more later. He's describing to me that he's numb and he doesn't have feelings, and I have owned that for a really long time. I have been pulling, trying to pull him through life, trying to create inspiration, trying to give him tools, trying to give him resources, and it's created a level of contention between the both of us. I'm trying to help him grow in this space so he could help better serve me, and that's a layer of control in and of itself. And he's feeling like I'm mothering him and smothering him and 
And that's not good. It's not good. I see it. It's not good. And, and there's resistance there. And so this is his to own. I'm giving us both space to work on ourself. I made the call to create some very deliberate space between the two of us. And we will not be the first couple to take some time to take some space and, and find their way back to each other. And, and I am so hopeful that that is what will happen, that we can do that, that we can find our space back to each other Uh, if it's meant to be we will we'll get there I do love him I'm always going to love him and I respect him as the father of my kids and we are doing a pretty good job of having very intentional conversations about how do we keep the kids secure and stable neither one of us at least that's what I'm hearing from him is neither one of us want the kids to grow up and feel the way that we have We both have this level of dysfunction in our background, and we want to keep the kids protected from that as much as we can. You know, investment in ourselves and this this marriage, it it is, that's sort of what I talked to him about this morning. Uh, I found a TikTok, and I... I did share it with him, and I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes, but it was really impactful for me, and I shared with him some of the key takeaways because many of these exact words that this individual talked about and is things that I've used in my own teachings or even my own conversations with you know, my kids and my husband. Investment can be looked at as time and or money. Investment really is bringing resources, giving something in for the greater good, for growth, for a brighter future, for, you know, whatever it might be. You know, we invest in education so we can get a better job, so we can, you know, be able to enter into an industry or higher earnings, whatever it might be. And and this is the same for relationships in life. We should be investing in skill sets, relational skill sets. And it goes beyond just How do we have greater relationship satisfaction? And that's what this individual talked about. She shares statistics on divorce, but she also shares statistics on what we as humans have by being, you know, married or in a relationship. Like we are relational human beings. There is a level of science to the psychology of being with a partner. And I have come to really feel like soulmates or the one is a distorted manifestation of how we hand down this idea that you need to look to somebody to complete you and that this is more of really if you want to find the one pick up a mirror and look in the mirror because that's your soulmate that is the one and when you are a whole human being Really what we should be doing is finding a compatible partner to be sharing our wholeness with another whole human being and having this journey of wholeness together. So I think it's worth it. I have invested time and money into resources to grow as my own wholeness, my own human. And again, I will put that TikTok video in the show notes. I think it's worth taking a look at. Before we dive into the context of this episode and what I'm doing with this season, uh, let's have a little clip from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Life is hard, and right now, it feels even harder. No one should ever feel alone during a time of hardship. That's why I have partnered with BetterHelp to bring you tangible tools and resources to help you work through your own journey. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. They know a good match is the secret to your success in therapy. So if you need a rematch, you can. It's easy and free. This is not a crisis line. It is not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not always be locally available in many areas. This gives you access to expertise outside of your local community. The service is available for folks worldwide. Service is quick and seamless. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you can fit this in around your own schedule anytime, anywhere. Also, it is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp and I want you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Nina's Journey. That's Better H-E-L-P and join over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And right now, there's a special offer for the listeners of Nina's Journey. You'll get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Nina's Journey. That's betterhelp.com slash N-I-N-A-S-J-O-U-R-N-E-Y. So as I mentioned, I started this season back in January. I had this book called From Trigger to Tranquil. I really wanted to step through. It was an educational season. I it was sort of like, you know, I was dealing with my own triggers and my own symptoms. And how do I like find a very safe way to teach some other skills? Because triggers are not unique to PTSD per se. Triggers are, you know, an emotional response to something and in, in our, you know, trigger response. It's all very normal stuff. It's all a part of being a human. And I wanted to share that. As I've started to really spend some time focusing on myself and my interests, this podcast means a great deal to me. And so I wanted to pick it back up. I wanted to get back into content creating. I stepped out of that. And then the goal was I was going to go back in July. And July came and went. And I was going to go back in August. And August came and went. And so I was like, I'm going to go in September. And September started approaching. I had this beautiful calendar of content creation. Everything was going to get scheduled. If you're on my social medias, I am tech savvy, right? Those are all scheduled. Uh, So like pre-planning, reducing stress, because when I reduce stress, I reduce my symptoms. I'm embracing the love of what I like to do. And that is really connecting with people and teaching and growing as, as a person myself. So I had this goal to kick off the podcast and Nina's journey again, and I had this beautiful calendar, as I mentioned, and procrastination really hit hit the heart of that. So while I am creating content, I'm, I'm also behind schedule, and I thought about moving it to October. Let's just move it back a month. I'll take a full month to get a full month of schedule. The idea is to get scheduled ahead, right, so I'm not living in reaction mode, and that wasn't going to happen. I, I just finally looked in the mirror, and I said, you know what? You are avoiding And what is the root cause of that? And so I found that when it came to the podcast, I couldn't get myself to pick up the book, not because I'm not interested in it. Let's just be clear. I still want to finish that out. I still want to bring that back. I thought about taking the other two episodes down, you know, where I started that book. But 
I have always been very honest and authentic with you guys, and so I, I chose to leave them up there. And here's here's the root of it. One night I really asked myself, like, why will you not outline episode three? And it was because I wanted to speak from my heart what's really going on, and so that's where confessions of PTSD come into play. And so I want to pivot here and share about what PTSD is, what I, what and where I've been and why I've been there and just be really open and honest and raw and real with my experience instead of, you know, waiting and packaging this up and sharing the like, this is how I got through it. I'm just going to be really open and honest about how I am getting through it. What are the steps I am currently taking and how I am feeling as I go through that. So I feel like I need to pivot here. And though season three still can be the season to be free, it's coming from a standpoint of me just opening up and being raw and real and honest. And that I think will bring me true peace and freedom. I think it will. So I want to talk about PTSD. You know, what is it? I have talked about it to a degree. I've been very transparent with you guys that I have it. I've opened up about my journey with it some here. So again, uh, unless you go back to later uh, or earlier episodes, not later episodes, but earlier episodes, I'll just run through, you know, the history um, and my story. Again, I was formally diagnosed with PTSD in 2016. And here is really how it came to be, how I came to learn that I have it. I have an aunt who I really admired. She was an amazing human being. She was always so warm and welcoming. And she committed suicide. And that was in 2016. And what happened was uh, my mom as a police officer in the community on the, you know, the home location where I grew up. And my mom called me one morning and she asked me how my dad was doing. My parents are divorced. I think I've talked about, you know, my my, my background is I have divorced parents. I have bonus parents. I love them all. I ha- I'm the luckiest human. I have, I have four parents. But uh, my mom was calling specifically about my dad and she was asking me these questions and I was like, um, you know, like what what happened? Did something happen to my dad? I started to get this sense of panic of her inquiring of my dad and me knowing what her profession was. I thought, oh my God, he got into a farming accident and he's hurt and nobody's called me yet. And I had this sense of panic. And when she said, no, your aunt committed suicide last night, I was in shock. And I hadn't heard from my dad yet. So I called my dad because I really do care about my dad and more later to come about my relationship with my dad. But I called him and I said, hey, are you okay? And it was the same conversation. He's like, yeah, you know, we talk, like, what's going on? And I shared with him what I knew. And I actually carry a fair amount of guilt for being the one to um, inform my dad that his sister had committed suicide. I'm sorry. Because my dad has some history of his own and his own story and journey, but I was the one to inform him and he had like this panic sense in his voice and he called his other sister and and what happened was like they tried calling my dad and they just couldn't get a hold of him like the stars didn't align and and so we went over and there was a funeral and I remember being in my grandma's home. And lots of people were talking about my aunt's history and her story. And she had some trauma 
she had an assault in her, her past and her history. And people were talking about this, like, battle that they weren't aware of or, you know, that she didn't talk about. And I sat, you know, on the sidelines and I was like, I absolutely know why. I knew that I knew what she had been going through from a trauma perspective and the ongoing journey of that. And, and we, you know, we had, we had the funeral and on our way home, I, I remember turning to my husband in the car and, and we were holding hands and I said, I think I need help. I think I need help because if I don't get help, I think I might end up like her. And I didn't want to. I have a beautiful family and I didn't want to feel lonely anymore and I didn't want to deal with this pain and silence anymore so I uh, said I think it's time and so I had gone to a parenting seminar right around that same time and there was this trauma specialist Um, I found her through the parenting seminar and I actually approached them and because I had been a, a parent to children who had experienced domestic violence, I was able to be treated as an adult at this this facility or this office, this clinic, whatever you want to call it. And so I had treatment from May to June, or it was around the May-June time frame, not May to June. It was May-June time frame that I found that therapist, and I had treatment through December of 2016, which I ended up having to quit because of insurance which is incredibly sad to me. My insurance no longer covered the license of the individual I was seeing. But I had had therapy and EMDR. I'll speak more about EMDR in a later episode. But she diagnosed me with with, um, CPTSD or what they call complex PTSD, and I spent a few weeks researching that in hopes to prove this individual wrong. I mean, yeah, let's, let's really just embrace avoidance and denial at its finest, friends. I was convinced that I could prove my therapist that regardless of her years of experience, decades of experience actually with um, trauma, I was going to let her know that she was wrong. And in that journey of research, I was devastated to find out that she was right. So like any good candidate of denial and avoidance, I decided that, you know, we're going to talk about my marriage first. I want to share with what my struggles are in my marriage. And hindsight's twenty twenty. I wanted to talk about my marriage thinking that if I fixed my marriage, it'd fix all my problems. Uh, really what I was doing was I was avoiding doing the real work. And, you know, my husband kind of participated, but he, he kind of didn't. Uh, he didn't seem real interested in my therapy or my treatment. And I think, honestly, if I went into it, like, if he could respond to me differently, if he could help me if you know it was more of a one-sided if he could change these things then it would make me feel better and hindsight looking back really is what I was experiencing was some triggers within the within the relationship of avoidance and abandonment and that was triggering me but more importantly I didn't even realize that uh, my symptoms and my behaviors were also contributing to that so regardless we spent some time trying to like open the gate of my marriage, work on my marriage. And on, and finally, I, I gave up on fighting it. My, my therapist did a nice job of calling me out. And it's like, you know, like, it's time. It's time that we dig into your history, your trauma, your narrative, and let's do some real work here. And just as I was starting to do that, that is when we had to stop. 
and I was left with a couple of options. They did try to do some outreach or referral for me. I could pay for um, out-of-pocket. Uh, out-of-pocket was not an, not an option. It was not in the cards. And the whole getting to know somebody different, that, that trust issue, was that was so deep-seated. I didn't do enough work in that session of treatment to really even be open to the idea of having to start over with somebody else was completely paralyzing to me. So I went on with what I had which was the knowledge of a diagnosis, but I didn't really respect that diagnosis or understand what I needed to be doing, honestly, to manage, manage myself. I didn't, I didn't learn enough. So then in 2019, I started this self-discovery journey, which I talk about in my first season of the podcast, you know, I, and I found running and I found meditation and a gratitude practice, all the things that contributed to being what I thought was just an awesome human being. And really, I was being an awesome human being. I was healthy. I was really living in this like full comprehensive sense of wellness, like body, mind, and spirit. Overall, my anxiety was low. My symptoms were low. I was feeling more confident. I was even growing in my marriage to include areas of like exploring my sexuality, which I will talk about more in a later episode because trauma does actually have an impact on sex drive and sexuality and And since we are talking about the confessions of PTSD, I'm going to talk more about that later. What I didn't know was that what I was doing was managing a condition that I really, I knew I had but didn't respect and I wasn't aware of my triggers or how to respond to them. So I was doing these things. It was the basis of my podcast. I wanted to share all that I was learning. I was being an awesome human being and I was living with this well-rounded sense of wellness. And then 2020 came and let's insert covid Let's insert a pandemic. Let's insert working remote. Let's really insert the true sense of isolation and what that can do to the psyche of a human being, let alone a human being with PTSD. And so I was struggling. I was struggling. I was I was fighting the remote work. I was losing my routine. I was not doing well. I created new triggers um, through my avoidance of, of mail and all sorts of things. And I was trying to be verbal with my husband. I was saying like, hey, I'm, I'm struggling. His response was not to like sit down with me and like, let's talk about it or what do you need from me? He was leaving the home because he had started a new career. He was still getting out of the house. And for me, I was in a home with kids who were scared The pandemic basically opened this Pandora's box of like, let's just be afraid to breathe the air in which we exist. We cannot be around people. Well, let's induce a significant amount of fear. I mean, this was not, I was, I was not educated enough in my own condition and how to respond to that. And now let's add this whole other layer of trauma that I wasn't ready or prepared to respond to. So I'm getting through that, and then at the end of that year, into 2021, uh, insert an event with my sister-in-law, and so while I did talk about that, actually, in in my podcast, you can go back to that episode, I don't want to get caught up in the nuances of that, that induced a whole nother episode of trauma experience my symptoms were high and I had what I called a full PTSD relapse that that is really the crux of what I describe it as because I was not functioning I was high living with anxiety my my job was stressful my home was stressful I was not feeling connected in my marriage I was falling apart I was scared I I am I was 
I was so scared and overwhelmed. And I went looking for resources and help. And that's how I became connected with BetterHelp. And in April of 2021, I went into therapy. And this was the best thing I ever could have done. BetterHelp, I will say, saved my life. I was matched with a trauma recovery specialist, somebody who works with PTSD, incredibly gifted, and I would not have been able to get matched to that skill set or that therapist without better help. I am incredibly grateful. And in that time, over the course of the rest of 2021, I was in therapy weekly for a period of months. I was doing it bi-weekly. I was learning about growth and acceptance and understanding of PTSD. I was learning how to name it without feeling shame. I was learning about myself, this awareness of my triggers, and how to live at peace with my symptoms. That's really, really what I took from that therapy session. And that session I'm talking about like from April to December. I had a greater respect for my diagnosis, what it is, and how it is a part of my life in that I am going to be okay. I came to realize also what my PTSD really was from. I went into it feeling like my PTSD was developed and created from an abusive marriage. My ex-husband was very manipulative, is very manipulative, continues with abuse and control. There were experiences of being chased. I was spit on. I was mentally and emotionally violated and fear was a tactic and that made sense to me abuse and domestic violence made sense to me that's how I got PTSD from in my time in therapy in 2021 I had to embrace a very challenging realization one of my hardest realizations and that was that my PTSD actually developed and started from my childhood. And that abusive marriage just exacerbated that. And in eyesight, it all makes sense. This learning has been the most important as it lends to my experience in my marriage and relationship landscape overall. How I have attracted unhealthy individuals, how I have performed for love, what I was taught, well, who I am, like all of it, all of it comes together. And, and before I go much further, I want to be very clear, like my parents did the best that they could with what they knew. My mom and my dad both had very different upbringings. A commonality was a deficiency in really understanding emotions and how to respond to emotions. And I know it and I accept it and I love them both no matter what. I've had incredible conversations with my mom. She has grown with me in this emotional and mental health space. And she has been really open. It's been one of the best experiences along the way. She has not shied away from me or her part in the journey. We have grown together and I am forever grateful for that. And really, if you can do that with, if if you have somebody in your life that has PTSD, parent, partner, child, whatever, whatever it might be, If you could do what she has done, if you can grow with your loved one, please be open to it. Hear their experiences. Try and not internalize it and deflect and and like explain away your piece of it. Just just start from scratch, be open to it, listen, grow with them, educate yourself, 
I it will be the the best gift you can ever give your loved one. Where the larger part of my trauma really comes in is from my father, who grew up in a dysfunctional household himself, and he learned specific behaviors and thought patterns, and he's handed those down. And while I don't blame him, I really don't, I do hope that he can at some point open his heart to help and resources and be open to the space of mental health and looking at his own journey and as I watch him continue these patterns of unhealthy behavior, I, I feel for him and I truly, truly hope that he can find space within himself to do some of this work. I believe that we are never too old to learn about ourselves, mental health, patterns of behavior, and to develop a, a healthier sense of self-awareness or a relationship with self. And when we create a, a better and healthier relationship with self, we are able to have better and healthier relationships with others. So at this time, I've actually had to put in a pretty bright boundary with him, and that has um, led to some continuing angst. And there'd be more history on this, you know, down the road where I'll talk specifically on my experience with childhood trauma and how the family dynamics can impact uh, development. Which then brings me to what this whole episode I wanted to be about was PTSD. So now that we've learned where I've been, what's been going on, and a little bit about my story with PTSD to give some credibility of what I'm about to talk about, let's get there. Let's talk about PTSD and what I have learned about it specifically. As we begin, let's start with trauma. What is it? Trauma as an emotional response to a shocking, scary, or even a dangerous event, and it can be experienced or observed, and a person perceives it as physically and or psychologically threatening. Examples of this can be accidents, sexual assault, natural disasters, abuse, neglect, abandonment. The, the list really can go on, but those are some high levels. What does trauma feel like? It feels like fear, anxiety, panic. Often folks talk about shock to the, sim- to the system, and, and I've really felt that. I've experienced it all. I have even experienced and felt a sense of detachment and confusion. Like my body and brain are not functioning together. Like I am not in one body. Like this is where really the, where I've learned that the body comes in. Like in trauma, there's such an overload to the system that the brain will shut down for a period of time. In fact, trauma actually gets stored in the body. And it's like this reservation of memory. Our corest memories live within our body. Think about some of your good memories. Think about how the scent of pumpkin pie or the 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 warmth of a sunset on a camping adventure, whatever it might be. When you experience things, it invokes memories, right? Like scent, sound, sight, all those things. That's that's because memories are stored in the body. And just as positive and warming and welcoming memories can be stored in the body, the same for trauma and negative feelings and hard memories, they can be stored too. So it, there is science behind all of this. And what I've learned in therapy is that trauma is an injury to the brain. And that these are like wounds and injuries that we just can't see. And I liken it to uh, injuries that we can 
you know, regardless of an injury, one is able to adequately process and heal from that injury, it doesn't create a long-lasting impact, right? We can fall on the sidewalk and we can we can tend to that wound, we can wash it out and we can put salve and a band-aid on it and, and we will fully heal and it does not impact us long-term. It does not keep us from playing sports or even riding our bike again. But this is where PTSD comes into play. When one cannot heal and process an injury, that can lead to a more long-lasting impact. So I sort of equate trauma to different types of levels, meaning that, just as I explained, I can fall and scrape my knee, or even, let's take it up a notch from there, you know, you can twist and strain a muscle, and let's elevate it straight up to a broken bone. All of these have varying impacts and healings on the body, different treatment requirements, and I feel the same about trauma and the brain. Some things can hurt and create this angst and it's easy to recover and heal from it. Others not so much. And it and it is much deeper. It, like if it's not treated, it goes much deeper and like a broken rib or a finger, like physically the body will heal that. Like it'll it'll mend it, but it might not be functional. Like like it will work, but it's not effective and it's in a, in a dysfunctional manner. So the, the same can be with trauma and and experience to the brain. So what is a trauma response then? So we've got trauma, like how do we respond to it? And and there's a natural survival response to extreme unanticipated vulnerable events. We all as humans have them, which we all just then need time. We need to be allowed the time to work through that trauma to heal and recover. There are four, they call them the four F's in trauma response, fight, flight, freeze, fawn, and we'll go over them more later and in, in more deeply. I believe that I actually talked about this in one of the first episodes of, of season three because they were very related to trigger information. But uh, I have come along some additional information, and it makes sense to me. I um, would like to point out that there has been like an additional fear response, and it's called responsi- responsibility dysmorphia. I know that we've all heard about, you know, body dysmorphia and it's like sort of like thinking that something is bigger than it really is. And this made sense to me. This is something that I have experienced. It is something I am dealing with in responsibility dysmorphia. It is when we think or take on more responsibility for things than we are actually responsible for. It's similar to kind of fawning. It's it's the sphere response, and it comes from growing up in chaos within the home. We take on more things that are not ours, and we will berate ourselves for things that we actually had no control over, such as somebody else's emotions or contributions to a relationship. Learning what your trauma response or your fear response is and what it looks like is incredibly important. It's not just linked to PTSD either. Like trauma responses, they're normal reactions to an abnormal event. So this is useful information regardless of who you are and what you've experienced. Also, trauma and trauma responses are individualized. Two people can experience the exact same trauma and not both of them will develop PTSD or neither of them develop PTSD or one does and the other doesn't. It's because of perception which can lead to somebody's, you know, development, all the things. It's, it's all individualized. So where it comes to PTSD, it's, you know, it starts with a trauma response that's normal and all sorts of, you know, folks experience trauma without developing 
it into PTSD. But the time, like there comes a period of time where that overwhelming sense of danger should have resided and things should go back to baseline. And it's, they describe it as being symptoms for longer than a month. And that's when it can really start to be considered for criteria of PTSD. Also, I've learned that symptoms can actually emerge later. There's like a delayed diagnosis of PTSD. Um, You can research more on that. The symptoms also have to be severe enough to interfere with the aspects of daily life, such as relationships or work or, you know, daily living. So I want to talk about the symptoms, which this I'm going to read specifically from the BetterHelp article that I found. I'll link that in the show notes, but I'm going to read this section here on symptoms. If you think you may have developed PTSD or suspect someone else may have be developing it, here are some of the signs and symptoms to watch out for. Feelings sad or anxious, a lack of joy or interest in things that were previously enjoyed, use of drugs or alcohol either to numb the pain or as a way of dealing with trauma, having flashbacks to the traumatic event and feeling like it was taking place again, which can result in a physical reaction. So an example of this is if a sexual assault survivor is living with PTSD, something as simple as physical contact can bring them back to the event and cause a reaction. Nightmares and night terrors, which are similar to flashbacks but occurring during sleep. Avoiding places, events, or situations that might bring back memories of what happened. Insomnia. Having a hard time focusing on things or thinking clearly. Having panic attacks or other physical symptoms like sweating or trouble breathing. PTSD symptoms can vary between men and women, since biologically the two sexes often handle things differently. The symptoms of PTSD in men are more likely to lead to aggression, irritability, and anger, whereas a woman's symptoms may involve more emotional reactions, lending to sadness or nervousness. Women may also exhibit more anxiety than men and isolate themselves from the people around them. That article was really helpful, and there's more resources out there if you need them. But again, symptoms are individual and even seen different between the sexes, and that's where I feel like my experience is valid. Uh, I'm observing very similar responses in my husband, and it's creating continued avoidance and distance between us. But back to PTSD and treating it, get help, please. I'm just short of begging you, as a survivor of PTSD, it is unbelievably worth getting help. It is worth living with courage to learn about it, understand it, and become aware of it. Without getting help, it can cause dysmorphia of oneself. Like you just, you don't feel aligned with who you are and you start to identify with the symptoms as being who you are. I share this specifically because that's where I was at. I would have these bouts of irritability or anger, sometimes even rage, and then I would suffer with guilt and shame, and I'd do that in silence. I would I would feel confused and frustrated while I didn't feel like that's who I was. I'm not an angry person. I don't know where this is coming from. I started to concede to the idea that maybe that's really who I was or maybe that it was in my genes and it was passed down. But really what I was dealing with and what was going on was that I was living with unmanaged PTSD. When I went to therapy and got help and and got the skills and the awareness, when I started to separate my symptoms from me, I was actually able to reconnect with myself and find out like 
find that, that person, like who I am, and realize that I'm not my symptoms. Treatment includes things like therapy. Therapy is incredibly important. I talk about it. That's why I have the BetterHelp sponsorship. Cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT specifically is incredibly useful with PTSD. That article that I was referencing symptoms also describes that CBT is encouraging you to explore your emotions, thoughts, and feelings. It encourages you to analyze your behaviors through simple exercises and activities that provide you with the tools that you need to manage your symptoms and move past your trauma. It's incredibly powerful. Other things for therapy, you know, integrating family and couples into, you know, group therapy or family therapy or even support groups, this is also super helpful. It helps loved ones to better understand what what we are going through. Um, But also in groups, for me, I feel like it normalizes that we're not alone in our experiences, pain, struggles, or frustration. We are relational beings. That's what being a human is all about. And it helps us to cope with this reality and the challenges of this said disorder because safety is one of the deep-rooted pieces of PTSD. There are also medications, though it's not the sole treatment, or from my opinion, it really shouldn't be. Um, It should be used in conjunction with therapy. Uh, I have used medications in my journey, both to help temper nightmares, but also to help manage anxiety as I was living with incredibly high levels of stress in multiple facets of my life. And this pressure and stress was actually triggering symptoms uh, routinely. So I needed to help temper that in conjunction with my therapy. And I also do have an emergency medication, which has been super helpful for me, that if I'm feeling an attack and it's coming on like intensely or growing quickly or it's surrounding a very specific type of trigger that I've learned that can get really intense, it gives me the ability to lean into my coping skills and manage or respond to a flare of my symptoms appropriately. I actually attended a webinar recently through BetterHelp on PTSD and what it is, and it was it, it provided a very good visual. And so as I wrap up here, I kind of want to share a little bit about that and just some, some notes here, and then we'll call it a day. So there was a cycle in this webinar, and it talked about the four kind of buckets of PTSD per se, and that they're a cyclical pattern. So arousal is, is a required piece of the you know diagnosis, and it's this like fear and anxiety and hypervigilance is a symptom. It's one that I suffer um, from greatly. And that, you know, with that state, it leads into like re-experiencing and that's where you get like reminders of trauma or triggers, the, the flashbacks and the nightmares. And that inherently creates this like avoidance pattern. Like you're trying to escape the pain. There's a heavy level of avoidance in PTSD and your behaviors will actually demonstrate that. And then to round out that cycle, there's what they described as numbing. And, you know, again, that leads to that escape and trying to not have, you know, not be reliving, not creating. And so then all of that, like, pain, there's still this, like, underlying sense of, like, hyperarousal and awareness and constant scan for threat. And as you're doing that and, like, the triggers and and that triggers and the pain and the avoidance. And so not healing and recovering from trauma is is detrimental not managing ptsd is is it's deteriorating to the body and the mind and the patient so the other thing in that webinar talked about a subtype which complex ptsd or cptsd 
And that's actually what I was diagnosed with. They describe this as a dissociative or disturbance like subset, and it comes down to self-organization. So those additional criteria is like a disruption and effective regulation. So you're, you're dysregulated. There's this effective dysregulation. There's a disturbance in relationships and negative self-concept, and those are all very deeply rooted in my experience as well. So what I will say is that complex PTSD and PTSD, like, not one is better than the other. No one is worse or better than anyone else. And and still to, to have complex PTSD or CPTSD, you need to have met all the criteria of PTSD. That is, that is excuse me, the distinct difference um, that I have learned is, is a repetitive experience of trauma. And examples of that can be childhood trauma, like abuse, neglect, abandonment, or things like domestic violence in one's relationships later in life. Um, it could just be layers of unhealed trauma from various experiences. So so with all of that being said, that's what PTSD, and I want to be very clear, I'm not a licensed therapist by any means. However, I'm speaking from my experiences and vulnerably sharing them and along with all the subsequent research that I've done over the years because genuinely I have always been fascinated by the brain and psychology in general. I wanted to break the cycle of upbringing that I grew up in, and I wanted to be a very good mother. I want to be a very good partner. I want to be an amazing and incredible contributing human and a, and a very good leader. So I am choosing to open up about all of this because I believe that there are people out there who are suffering in silence, and you don't need to. They don't need to. I have been keeping things close to my heart, specifically about my marriage, as I'm still a human who is, quite frankly, afraid of judgment and failure. But by staying in that space, it keeps me symptomatic, and I simply cannot live like that anymore. So I am not going to avoid this season, and I'm going to share the basis of really what Nina's journey is and that's to create this raw and real space for us to connect and if sharing my journey helps others share theirs or embrace theirs then that's all that matters to me in this moment I actually do finally feel at peace in this moment I am at peace and I feel like I'm a good leader because I've gone through some shit and I have developed myself and I've emerged from discomfort and I have found a healthier way And by my doing this, I am normalizing it because anybody that if we look to our left or if we look to our right, we have no idea what's going on in their story. And we don't as a society. I mean, we've come a long way, but mental health, it needs to be the starting point of human health. I strongly believe that. So... This all goes for the same for myself as a peer or a friend or a partner and most important as a parent. I have been humble enough to grow, to learn, to get help, and to find the resources and to try again. And I'm here to share that with you and encourage you and hopefully help you. And really, this investment of time into myself has therefore brought the season, the confessions of PTSD and all that comes with it, and to to bring this all together, I really think this is going to be the season to be free, but it's it's my season to be free, and we're, we're here together, and I hope that you continue to walk through this journey with me. So uh, until next time, make sure that you look in the mirror, love yourself, and be open to what you're dealing with. I will talk to you next week. Thanks, friends. Thanks.
Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Nina's Journey, Learning to Love, Live, and Grow. If you liked today's episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss any future episodes. I will leave you with this from Joel Osteen. Your job is not to judge. Your job is not to figure out if someone deserves something. Your job is to lift the fallen, to restore the broken, and to heal the hurting. And that's what we do here on Nina's Journey.